0: Hi there, my name is Lindy van and welcome to the Be Known Podcast. If you are feeling stuck and craving more from your life, then you are at the right place. If you have kids running around like I have and never find time for yourself, you are at the right place. If you want to change your life and build a side business to call your own, you are at the right place. Grab a cup of coffee and join me. I'm also a busy mom, so I promise to keep things short and sweet. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's begin. Today we are joined by Audrey Denholm. We will be talking everything finance. Audrey is a personal finance coach and educator for women. She knows firsthand how mastering personal finance can change your life and give you the freedom to make life decisions not based on finances, but on your own goals, allowing you to intentionally create a life of your dreams. She is an accountant in her nine to five corporate job, a mom of two girls and entrepreneur at night, building her business on the side. Welcome Audrey, it's very nice to have you with us. Thanks so much, Lindy, it's so nice to be here. And you are joining us all the way
1: from Canada. I am, yeah, so I, am, I, I live in a little town
0: in the mountains. Oh, that's beautiful. I can just see for, for anyone that's actually looking at the audio or looking at the video, there's a beautiful image behind you of the mountains. And I can just, that's how I'm picturing Canada to be. I've never been, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, that's a picture taken um,
1: uh, on our engagement. And it's really close to where we live. So yeah, it's a pretty oh, wow. good
0: representation. It's literally picture perfect. It looks beautiful. <laughs> So Audrey, welcome and thank you so much for joining us and I'm really excited because we're talking everything finance tonight and you are a coach and you are in the corporate world as well and I think you've got so much information and valuable tips that you can share with us tonight.
1: Definitely, yeah, There's, I'm really excited to, to dive into it.
0: So tell me a little bit more about you, about your corporate job, what did you do and what do you do and how did you decide to start a business on the side? So I work as an accountant in a public practice. So I
1: really work with companies um, and helping with taxes and um, personal taxes Um, And then uh, when I had my two girls and I went on mat leave, I started to help. I started with helping my sister and then it grew to helping a few other people just with their personal finance world. Because a lot of people had questions in terms of how, how do you manage and, you know, intentionally create a life because we've really worked really hard to figure out where we wanted to live what we wanted to our life to look like and kind of make that happen on the back end with finances and budgeting and just planning so
0: that's kind of how it started
1: and I really love doing
0: it I absolutely love it and I love stories like that where it started very authentically and it starts with someone in your life asking you for help and and that's that's how you know that's something that you enjoy doing right Yes, that's really like, I never
1: would have thought um, I've seen this path for myself, but I really, I just love helping people. And it's just so fantastic when, you know, there's such great results so quickly and uh, it just, it feels good.
0: That's incredible. So have, um, being an accountant, I'm assuming you've always been, you've always had a bit of a passion for numbers and finances. Definitely.
1: Um, so for me, it's come pretty easy. I kind of directed this way because, you know, writing in English just wasn't, wasn't my strong suit. I really like the numbers. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I naturally gravitated. And that translates really easily into, um, into personal finance. But what I really want to share is that it's actually, you don't need to have all that background you it's really there's really easy to apply for anybody can do so
0: i'm so glad that you actually mentioned that and that it's easy because it seems like talking about finances is a very big taboo like people in social groups don't generally tend to talk about it people in terms of families don't generally tend to talk about it but yet it is something that all of us have to deal with all of us have to deal with taxes, income taxes, either creating a business or your own personal finances and creating a plan. And yet so little people are comfortable about speaking um, openly about it. Was that something that you found as well? Definitely. I, f- I feel that coming from as soon as I
1: say that I'm an accountant, usually people feel a little bit more comfortable uh, talking, asking me personal finance questions, which usually isn't the case, I think, in a lot of situations, because no, normally people don't talk about it. There's not a sounding board to ask. It's kind of taboo to, you know, ask somebody like, oh, do you have a budget? You know, how much did that cost? Or um, kind of like, what are you investing your money in? You know, there's like not an open, it's not organically comes up in conversation people really don't talk about it and it's not really discussed or taught in schools that much not to a level that's you know everyday life how does this apply to my everyday life and the crazy thing is personal finances affect every aspect of your life like it really you know dictates a whole like where you're living how you're living what you get to do in your spare time like it really filters through every aspect of your life and my goal would just to have no stress around that so that you know having your finances not dictate those things instead figure out what are the things that you really want and how do you work your finances and make a plan so that you can you can
0: get there yeah It's interesting that you also mention about people immediately feeling comfortable talking to you um, after you mentioning you being an accountant. Did you grow up in a household where you spoke a lot about it? Because I know, for instance, in our family, we never really spoke about finances um, between each other. So for me, I would normally be the person being uncomfortable talking about finances to just anyone.
1: Yeah, I I think we did talk about finances a little bit more. Both my parents were in business, so talking about finances was definitely more open. Um, and as a kid, you also see it in terms of you know, there's obviously things that you don't do because it's just not you know feasible, or so you you do get a glimpse, but to be able to see the big picture, especially when you're you're making money, and you you know, either want to buy a house, or you want to move or grow a family, all those things, you know, your finances are involved, because it, it, uh, you just can't ignore that, that aspect to it.
0: it and again, it, I think it brings it back to, it is such an integral part to literally everything that we do. And I think there's also and I know we will be definitely going a little bit deeper into money blocks, but I feel like that there's a lot of money blocks as well. Um, And I, a few years ago, maybe months, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a money block. But starting to learn a little bit more about that and uncovering it, I started to realize that there's definitely a bit of animosity, a bit of blocks when it comes to money and fear around money. Um, Fear around spending money, fear around saving money. Um, How was your experience with learning about money blocks, uh, talking to clients about it, etc.? So money blocks for me as well was something
1: that I kind of discovered as I went down this journey and everybody has them. I definitely have them. So I think the first step is kind of, you know, understanding that they're out there, everybody's dealing with them and kind of recognizing what could be, you know, underlying for, for you in terms of it, it's kind of, it's kind of a sneaky thing because you don't really realize it until it kind of presents itself in in your decisions you make around money. Mm-hmm. So understanding that can kind of give you awareness and help stop some of those patterns.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to take it two steps back. So for some of the audience that are listening and they're like, wait, what? What is a money block? Let's go two steps back. And can you maybe explain to some of the listeners what is money blocks? What is a money block? What is mindset around money? Um, Give them a little bit more insight info. So a money blog is pretty much it's
1: just a limiting belief that you would have around money. So some of these could be if you grew up it's usually comes from childhood if you grew up with um maybe a really really tight um financial situation then it could present itself down the line in terms of fear of spending money or you know guilt about spending money on yourself or not having enough so those can translate in terms of um not buying things that you might need or want or it could translate into an avoidance where you really aren't you just don't want to know about it you just don't because you're scared that you know there's not enough or there's not and without being aware of that you know it can tend to you could avoid it and it it can show up as you're scared of checking your bank balance. You feel a lot of guilt about purchasing items um, and a lot of stress around around money. So kind of understanding that, recognizing when it does show up can help to, you know, give yourself a chance to step back and be like, okay, you know, I have money. This was in my budget. You know, this is something that, you know, I want and will not you know have a negative impact on my life and buy it without feeling that buyer's remorse or that guilt or stress about checking your visa statement or your bank statement so
0: yeah I've heard so just to give some of my personal experience as well so things that I remember hearing um growing up are things like money doesn't grow on trees yeah so parents, if you want to ask for something else, your parents would say, no, what do you think? Um, um, money grows on trees. No, I have to work for that money. Things like you have to work really, really hard for yeah. every single cent that comes in. And also that mindset of you need to cherish cherish every yeah. single cent. Um, and very big mindset of saving. So see a penny, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. <laughs> that type of thing. So everything should be saved, and it should be. You you need to kind of keep money close and keep it sacred. And uh, people that have a lot of money um, tend to get it in 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 um, kind of un- dishonest ways. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, you can't really trust a rich person type of vibe. Um, any of the any, any any of the ones that I maybe missed that you've heard of?
1: Those are all really great. Yeah, so the one I grew up with was "Money doesn't grow on trees," which is true, a hundred percent. And it's just recognizing how that translates into your life now into your habits or your patterns that might be yeah being playing into effect it's just recognizing and everybody has a different money story and everybody has you know different worries or anxieties or um, goals they want so it's very it's very personal and a lot of it just comes down to asking yourself certain questions and kind of working through what might be underlying in terms of you know, changing your mindset from a scarcity mindset to more an abundance mindset, being like, there is enough, it's okay, let's reduce the anxiety. And, you know, it really shifts.
0: Um, It really makes some big shifts
1: in your personal finance world.
0: Because I feel like there's a lot of people as well, you talking about kind of that head sad sand mentality, like I don't want to look at my visa, I don't want to look at all of it, and that anxiety and animosity around it, and feeling like if I really have a look at all of my finances, like it's, it's too bad to look at, but um, there's also sometimes that notion that investing is risky and scary so I'm just not going to learn about it I'm just not going to do it I'm rather going to keep my money in cash under my bed or (laughs) banks are out to steal my money or things like that and I've heard so so many different stories and you and it's exactly like you say it's very personal Um, and I think a lot of people tend to think Money is money and finance is finance and it should be the same for everything. But it's a very personal story. It is what we've been taught as kids. It is what we've learned in our community. It is what we have um, learned from our friends, our uh, community, and not community, our friends and the people around us, um, our social circles. Definitely. That translates into how we live the rest of our life. And something that I also want to touch on a little bit is about what money gives you. Because people tend to look at money as the physical value and yes. what it buys. And um, I'm not one of those people that want a lot of money because that makes me a bad person to want a lot of money. Yes, But we both know that it's not about the actual money. I mean, if someone comes to me tomorrow and say, here is a million dollars in cash, keep it in your house, you're not allowed to do anything with it, then that's not going to really make me happy because it's not about the actual money. It is about what money brings and the freedom was that your experience as well and how do clients kind of react when when you talk a little bit more about the goals and the life dreams in line with finances
1: yeah so it 100% those all are really like impactful so the main thing that comes about like the strategy that I like to use is working backwards. So you need to have a great understanding of where you want to be because you're right, money without, like it doesn't doesn't mean anything unless it's what you can do with it. And that is so personal. You know, your goals are completely personal to you and same with my goals. So for us, we really like, Um, just taking more time to spend with our kids. So more money would give us freedom and flexibility, you know, flexibility to stay home if my kid's sick or to pick them up or to take a long weekend. That kind of freedom and flexibility is really what money can bring. It can also allow you, if you want to travel, it can allow you to, you know, save for, Um, the future or to buy the house you want. It can create, help you create the life that you want, but you really have to have a great understanding of what it is that you want. So my approach is really, you know, let's create what that looks like and find a way to make it happen and a plan and kind of work backwards so that you're not just going through your everyday life is really easy. I, you know, I even, I fall into this all the time. You just go through your everyday life, you're paying bills, you know, you're working, you're doing things with the kids and without a way to track or to plan, you know, the months just go ahead and then you're not anywhere closer to where you want it to be because you're just, you're living your life. So just to have a plan in place allows you to intentionally you know, work towards the things that you really want that will give you the freedom or that will give you flexibility or time to travel. It's very personal.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. I opened a, an investing account in, in this week, actually. That's um, so great. And it was really, um, I have one with another bank, but this is now a new bank. And since we've moved to the Netherlands, et cetera. And it was really interesting, the type of questions that they ask you beforehand. So why are you saving? What is the goal? And I was looking at it and thinking to myself, well, this is a really good way to start it, to start with the end in mind. And I was like, okay, well, I want to save money for my daughter's education, yeah Um, okay how long is that and suddenly I felt like oh wow I haven't done this before like it's I only have 12 years left for instance she's turning four this year but they tend to tend to go to to university and so about 16 17 so I thought to myself wow that's 12 years suddenly I thought I had time and now I realize, well, I had kind of a bit of a head in sand mentality. I'm like, well, the, there was no plan. So before you know it, life starts to catch up with you and, and you lose that focus. So I, I love that you also talk about what's the goal, what's the life that you want to live, and then move that backwards and say, do you want to travel more? Do you want to spend more time with your family or when they're sick? Because in the end, money can't buy, can buy all the stuff, but it can also give you the freedom. Yes. hundred percent. No to the things that you don't want to do. Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: And I think that's so fantastic that they asked you all those questions because yeah, then you're intentionally, you know, every month, if you're putting stuff away, it's intentionally being like, if I do this every month without even thinking about it, then I know you know, when my daughter wants to go to school, she'll be set and we won't have that anxiety or that stress.
0: Exactly. And um, when you think about a plan, creating a plan with a new client, what, I mean, your first approach is the goals and it's the end goal. But how is that normally met by the clients? How have you seen their emotional changes? when they have to think about 20, 30, 40 years ahead and thinking that they need to start planning for that now? I think sometimes it can be tough
1: because it's hard to know what you're gonna be. And you don't have to make like, it doesn't have to be a concrete. It's okay to say, I don't know. You know, I don't know where I'm gonna be in five years. But I think it's important to think about where would you want to be? So in, it's a little bit of, you know, you can dream a little bit, like, where do you want to be? Where would you like to live? You know, what does your life look like if you were to picture it in five years from now? And then you can break, and some of those goals aren't all financial, but you can break apart ways to make that happen. So I think, I think a lot of the time people don't understand, like they are surprised at how the finances play into into that picture, because, you know, it is a piece that you just can't leave out. Like, it's easy to say, oh, you know, I want to travel the world. But how, how do you make a plan to actually make that happen? And a lot of that would be, so if you make a goal, say you made a goal and said, I want to travel for a year with my family. then I can help work back and say, okay, what would it cost if you were to do that? Like, would you lose income? And so a lot of it is just helping work through all the different parts of the goal. And once that starts to take place, people can really see like, oh, this is actually achievable. It's not just, you know, I wanna do this thing. It's like, oh yeah, it is achievable. And, you know, if we put this plan in place we can get there in two years or in a year. And so I think that's probably the biggest is just helping break it down. So one big, crazy goal can turn into a whole bunch of little things. And it turns into what do I do today to make that happen? What can I do this month to make that happen? And knowing that end goal is also a huge motivator to stay on track. You know, because you were like, okay, this is what I'm saving for. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to save for retirement, which seems so far down the r- <laughs> line sometimes. And yeah. um, so having a concrete goal and plan and breaking it down like that is really motivating and um,
0: exciting. Yeah, exactly that. It is exciting. Yeah. I, um, I met two people about two months ago and they were just in the Netherlands just for a month because of COVID and things being closed in Europe, but they actually structured their business. They have a drop shipping business, but also a referral marketing business, um, affiliate marketing business. And they, I, I could hear everyone that they were talking to, we're talking to them in like almost all like, well, how do you do this? Like, well, We decided that this was the plan and then we worked backwards and said, well, we want to make money while we travel and next month we're living somewhere else. And then the next month we're living somewhere else because we decided this is the type of life that we want. We want that freedom to move around before we have kids, before we want to settle down and they moved backwards. So what is the financial goal? What do we need to achieve to actually love every single month and how do we make that possible and I think a lot of people tend to make it this big mountain and yes. they're like no I won't be able to do it no no it's not going to be for me no I won't be able to travel for a year I can't quit my job like that's not possible exactly and then when you start breaking it down into smaller chunks like ah Ah, well, maybe this isn't that far-fetched. Maybe there is an option and that's exciting. It's
1: very exciting. And that's, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people when they think of personal finance or a budget, it's just like this big weight. Everyone's like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) But it can be so exciting. Like it really can. And it can also help couples come together on a common goal and a common plan. And it's such a great, exciting way to look at your finances Mm -hmm. and because it doesn't have to be this daunting thing that you have to do every month if you want to stay and there's a lot of programs out there that are very you know you have to cut up all your credit cards you can only use cash things like that And it it doesn't have to be so extreme and it doesn't have to be so like you can make it as intense as you want it like if you you know have a really really intense goal and you need to cut up all your credit cards then like that's great but it just it doesn't have to be that and i think there's a big you know there's a big thing today saying you know it has to be this daunting task but it doesn't it can be really exciting and it can be it's a tool that will allow you to do the things that you really want to do and kind of get focused and intentional
0: with that But I think it's also a little bit media pressure and how people portray this, because the image that I'm seeing as you're talking about this, I'm seeing Grey's Anatomy, where they sit down, they have a look at their finances, they've got a bottle of tequila with them, and everyone is taking a shot every time they open a new invoice or bill that's coming in. So you have the stigma, and, and I mean, that's one scene. And you know, of all of the the movies and the things where they have to deal with their finances and it always has to do with a bit of alcohol and this daunting task where you have to talk with someone and that's kind of the stigma around It's like, this is going to be a very tough conversation and yeah, it is this really horrible thing that you have to do.
1: Exactly. And I think the best place to start is to just be like, okay, you know, like let's have a sit down and just like get excited about what's possible and kind of start from there. And and when that is the base of how you're managing your money and how you make your plan, then it doesn't need to be this daunting task or this big, you know, yeah, I'm going to take a shot of tequila every time I get a bill.
0: And so... <laughs> so I want to share with you a really personal story actually while all of this came up you talking about cutting up credit cards etc and I don't think I've shared this with a lot of people so um, in the in the notion of sharing finances and being open about all of it um, about six years ago we moved from South Africa to Dubai and I have found South Africa now live now having lived in two Different countries after South Africa, that South Africa has a very big debt culture. So being in debt is not frowned upon. You easily get a credit card. Um, I had a credit card while I was a student, and I had no income. Um, I it was a very small amount, but yet, but still, it was um, there wasn't a big thing about saving, investing. Um, so I didn't hear a lot about that but there was a big thing about debt and it was very easy to get uh, accounts with clothing stores so every single clothing store would have their own kind of credit Um, I don't know if it's the same in Canada as well because I haven't seen it in a lot of other countries like Dubai doesn't have it and the Netherlands doesn't have it um, but in South Africa, every store or, or most stores, you can get cre- a credit card, basically a credit card, but just to shop at that store, etc. So we accumulated a few store cards, we accumulated a credit card, we accumulated this and that. And I remember after getting married, that looking at my bank account, and suddenly I had my, my credit like limit like tripled or something. And I phoned the bank and I was like, what is this about? How are you giving me all this credit? And they're like, but you changed your status and it said married. And he's also a client with ours so we can see his income. I'm like, but that's his income. That's not mine. They're like, yeah, well, your credit has now increased as well. Anyway, so they give credit to me because my husband earns his salary is now together with mine. Long story short, I remember before moving to Dubai, going through that process, thinking to ourselves, well, we are moving. We need to sort our finances out. Like this is a this has become a really big thing. Doing some research, how are we going to pay off all of these store cards and things? And then you see these crazy notions about cutting off all of the cutting up all of the cards, paying everything in cash. And I was like, well, that's not quite an option at this (laughs) stage but um but it was interesting to see how there's so many approaches some really brutal and then it was really interesting to see my own personal reaction once I took out a a book and I wrote down every single piece of credit that I had or debt that I had uh, what was the minimum payments for that and just writing all of it down and just drawing a line in the sand and physically on the paper and saying, this is the amount of debt that I have. And sometimes that can be really scary. So I understand the tequila scenario, but it was also really freeing to understand that this is what I have to work with. So instead of just pushing it backwards and thinking like, this is really crap, like, okay, this is crap, but at least I know what I have to work with. And I feel like, again, going back to it's a really personal thing, but I think it also differs from country to country and how different cultures um, address finances. And I think that for the people listening, like, the very first step is just to acknowledge, just yes. see what it is you're working with. Yeah. Because whether you write everything down on paper or just keep it in the back of your mind, it's not going to change. It's still going to be there. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so that, that is definitely recognizing where you're at right now is such an important part because it is, it's so freeing. Even though it's something you might be dreading, um, it's a point in the sand, exactly like you said, that you can change and you really can't change what you don't know. So it's not going to go away on its own. I think understand. And if you know, then you can make a plan and you can see just like, okay, this is what it is. And the way that you grouped it all together is fantastic because it's easy when you have to kind of not get a big picture. You know, you have a credit card here, you have banks bank accounts here, and your home expenses might be coming out of a different account. So having everything grouped together is really, really important to kind of get a big picture. And then you can get a starting point. So getting a starting point is extremely important. And then it's also exciting because you get to see that number go down, as I'm sure you experienced.
0: And yeah, so it that's gives you momentum. That's actually what I wanted to ask you about as well. I don't know if it's the same approach. Again, everyone has their own approach. But from my research, the one I liked, I think it was a bit of a rich dad, poor dad type of strategy. We said, write everything down and then choose the one that's the least amount, the smallest amount and work on that one. Pay all the minimum amounts on the rest, but throw any extra money that you have into that smallest one. And I found that so freeing to do to that very first account to actually pay it off and say, one is done. Yes. And then you feel motivated to actually go and say, okay, well, the next one done and then celebrating all of those small wins and then going to the bigger ones and then the credit card and well, that's done. And then celebrating saying like, we're finally, we've paid off all of the debt in South Africa and we're debt free. Like, it's all of those small things, and and it starts with just one account. It starts with just, a, just, just that small nudges. You don't have to climb the whole mountain in one day. You just need to take one step at a time.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a really great approach. And in my program, I have um, where we walk through. A debt repayment plan so creating that kind of plan and looking at the different types of debt that you have ways that you could consolidate debt to reduce expenses you know interest expenses while you're paying it off and kind of have a plan to pay off the debt so you know every month well yes I have that debt but that's okay because I have a plan to you know to deal with it and uh the other thing, it is different for sure in different countries. So North America, we're in Canada, North America, we also have a lot of stores where you can pay things on layaway and you can, you know, it's really easy to put things on credit. It's really easy to, you know, not to buy things even if you don't actually have the money to do that at that time. And understanding understanding that and having an understanding of what do I actually have? What can I actually afford? is also part of the picture.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to hear North America and Canada approach as well, because I was quite shocked um, coming to the Netherlands. The Netherlands is very much a save culture. They're very much about investing, saving, and that was quite refreshing to me. Um, So I want to kind of share that with the audience a little bit as well, because um, I don't, coming from South Africa, I never really knew all of the differences, but talking about a Maestro card versus a Visa card versus a MasterCard. So for instance, in the Netherlands, a lot of shops do not accept Visa or MasterCard at all. So they only accept a Maestro because they are seen as the real form of debit card. Because okay. How the And I had to literally Google this. But the Maestro card is what's in there can be taken out and that's done. But with a lot of the Visa and MasterCards, they promise. So I will pay at a shop and then Visa or the bank says, okay, we promise to pay you. And only then a day or two later, it gets deducted from my account. But the Maestro is immediate. If it If we can't pay it now, it doesn't get deducted. And I remember going to one of the shops. We were here probably a month. And I just wanted to pay with my other card because I didn't have a local card yet. And it's not going through. And I'm telling the lady, well, how are you not accepting my card? She's like, we're only accepting debit cards. I'm like, it is a debit card. It was a debit account? And she's like, no, it's a Visa card. It's a credit card. I'm like, it's not a credit card. She's like, it's the same thing okay. <laughs> but it was interesting to see the culture of how different people approach it. And even applying for our home loan in the Netherlands, where they checked all of our accounts, made sure that we can afford the house. And then they looked at how much are you saving? And we're like, well, what do you mean? They're like, no, we need to see that you have enough money left, even after paying all of your expenses, all of your mortgage, your mortgage, etc. We need to see that you have enough left to put in a savings account. And I found that very refreshing. it's very refreshing. A bank to say that you need to be saving a minimum of 5% of your income, for instance. You need to be able to save it. Um, and then we had a few people from the bank phone us afterwards and say, so we see you don't have an investment account. Do you want an investment account? What's your plan for pension? Like, like, okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Um, and it's interesting to see because I feel like a lot of people need your services and a lot of people need help because they don't have that pressure from government. Um, and I'm saying government because this is a bit more of a government um peer pressure because of the the country that we live in but in south africa that was not the case in dubai that was not the case at all in canada um, and i think the states is
1: not either not yet yeah and
0: we we've, we've we've seen the memes and the jokes about the u.s and all of their credit cards Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and uh i don't actually know if i would I do buy everything on credit card because I love the points we travel a lot on the credit card points um but again we never carry a balance on our credit cards and so it's just I think it just depends on what you're comfortable with and where you live apparently as well because yeah we
0: don't get a lot of benefits in terms of using your credit card there's not a lot of points type of, but so I remember in South Africa as well, getting a lot of benefits in terms of rebates or travel points or, but here yeah, there's hardly, they, they don't even yeah. want to encourage it at all. So yeah, it's the opposite because the credit cards
1: want you to spend money. They do because they're profiting on the transaction And on the interest. And the interest on credit cards is crazy. It's really, really, really high, like higher than anything else. So um understanding that and understanding, you know, that impact every month is also really important. And the only way that you can do that is sit down, like you did, exactly, and say, This is all the debt, this is the interest, this is what I'm paying, you know, and kind of work through that systematically um, and create a plan to to get rid of it and there's also a difference so we have extremely high housing costs right now so to buy a house in Canada and it's just very expensive so one thing that I always want to kind of share is the difference between lifestyle debt and kind of housing debt so when i say debt free it doesn't mean you have to pay off your massive mortgage as well before you start saving um because depending on interest rates which right now are really really low you're better to take that money and invest it and you can get a higher return so it's understanding kind of the relationship of the type of debt that you have where it is, what the interest is, and then kind of your avenues for investing as well. And kind of what's the best place for your money, for it to grow and for you to get to where you wanna be. Yeah.
0: So on that really exciting note, I actually, and and I think you've kind of answered this, but I wanna ask it in any way. What would be the best piece of advice that you can give to our listeners? Either people that want to start their own business, side business, or just individuals that want to be more financial conscious? So I think if you want to be more financial conscious, I think the
1: best thing to do is just to sit down and get a clear picture of where you are right now, because it'll be such a great benchmark for you to be like, okay, now I know, and I have something to benchmark, you know, when I start making progress. I think that's really the best place to start is to just get a really good, clear, honest understanding of where your money is, and if you're in a relationship, is to have that open discussion together, look at it, and kind of say, okay, this is where this is where I'm at, and let's let's make a plan to, you know, change that if that's what you want.
0: Um, so tell me if any of the listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, so the best place to get in touch with
1: me is either on my social media page on Instagram, or you can find me at theblissplan.com.
0: Okay. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Audrey. I will make sure to link all of those, the website, the Instagram extra, I will make sure to link that in the description below. So thank you so much. And I really hope the listeners get in contact with you afterwards as well. And I really hope that they found as much value in this conversation as I have.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Lindy, for having me. It's been so great, and uh, I am super excited. I can't wait to visit the Netherlands
0: sometime the soon. So <laughs> The pleasure is absolutely mine, and make sure that you come in summer. Um, the winter can be pretty, oh, I wanted to say pretty cold, but I'm pointing you. We're, we're talking to you in Canada, so I don't think we have anything on you in Canada. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, so make sure you come in summer. Europe in the summer is beautiful.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, we will definitely, it's on our, it's on our plans. So
0: (laughs) definitely, but thank you so much for joining. And it was really nice talking to you. Thanks so much, Lindy. It was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and staying till the very end. I really hope you enjoyed it. To get a free virtual coffee session with me, give me some feedback. Write a review, take a screenshot, tag me and send it to me. I will email you a link to book your session. Subscribe to my podcast if you want to hear more and see you in the next episode.